This is holding down the fort. Today we welcome to the show one of my dearest friends, Campbell University assistant baseball coach, Jeff Calhoun. In Jeff's first year at Campbell, he brings a unique perspective as a West Coast coach who's made several coaching stops throughout the state of California along the way. Jeff is here to tell us about what he's looking for in the recruiting process, what you can do to stand out, and some great stories about his friends that he's met along the way. Take our listeners a little bit through your journey to becoming an assistant coach at Campbell University. Uh, born and raised in Washington State, um, about an hour south of the Canadian border, so about an hour and a half northeast of Seattle, um, and then played junior college up there at Skagit Valley, uh, did two years there, uh, played in the summer with the a couple of Niagara guys up in the West Coast League and uh, went in Bernard for a summer and then Tyler Spear and then Winton, like kind of the funny story. We'll get to one of those guys. <laughs> yeah, kind of funny. Like the funny story with Winton is like, you know, obviously you guys had the year in uh, 2011 and Winton kept trying to tell Coach McCoy, like, hey, man, you got to call like Jeff. You got to call Jeff. Like he's going to fit for us. Like he's our guy. And McCoy just was like, ah, oh, like, I don't know. Like, I don't, uh, we got other guys or whatever. And then, I played with uh, with Tyler Spear up there and had a good summer and then ended up finishing up in the Coastal Plains League. And that was, was uh, call- that was the Bells, right? We played for the yeah. Bells. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, Spear, great. So, so Spear called Pito and Pito was like, man, like, okay, like if Spear says he's good, he's got to be good. So Winton's always salty. Like, <laughs> like, hey, man, like I told you guys about this guy six months before, like I was helping him with homework. So it's like oh, I was man. at junior college helping him with some business homework stuff, man. So it's like, and end up get end up getting an opportunity to go to Niagara and was there for two years and obviously like got to meet you there and make some great friends had a ton of great memories um like both on and off the field just again like the people like I tell our guys all the time and I tell recruits all the time it's like you don't realize it but even if even if you're not going to the college world series like depending on if you actually like where you play I think you're going to end up with friends that you're going to have for the rest of your life and you don't you don't think about it going in. Like, it's not like, Oh, these guys are my, I'm going to be groomsmen in their wedding, or they're going to be my groomsmen in my wedding. And they're going to be uncle Jeff. I'm going to like, he's going to be uncle Matt, like things like that. They don't really, you don't think about it at 18 years old. And then, you know, obviously for me, I was really fortunate that, you know, I, I still talked to a bunch of you guys that I played with. And now that I'm back on the East coast, it's been a lot easier to stay in touch, excuse me. And then uh, got done playing, like tried the indie thing, didn't work out. And then, um, got an opportunity to go work at Westmont College in Santa Barbara. Uh, at the time, like they're transitioning to Division Two now, but they were it was an NAI. Um, again, small Christian college it was like twelve hundred kids. And what then, um what what was the reason for us us going out there, and how did you know um you know kind of at that point when you transitioned from the the indie ball to to college, right? Um, you know, going back to going back to coaching. Guys, a lot of the time, you know, either need some time to come to terms with being done playing or I know, you know, you'd been injured. Um, you know, what made you really want to dig in right away to, hey, I really want to get right back into the game and and give back to the the players who are playing? Yeah, I think you said it. I think for me, it was like giving back to something that gave me an opportunity. I mean, I probably 
like I've said it before, my family, you know, knows it. It's like, I think college was something that I was, I wasn't a big time, like school guy. I liked, I understood what I could do with it. And I liked some of the classes I took, but at the same time, it's like, I don't really understand why, you know, caught like college trigonometry is going to affect my life or <laughs> pre-calculus is going to affect how I do my taxes. So I think for me, like I wanted to coach, I remember I talked to coach McCoy and like at the time it was the, like, like uh, he just had no room for anybody. So I, I was like, okay, I'll go coach high school back in Washington. And I uh, did that for a minute. Um, and then Robert Ruiz, who I, I actually went before I went to Juco, I did one year at an NAI uh, down in Southern California at Azusa Pacific. And he was the recruiting coordinator. He, he recruited me there. Um, and so he called me kind of out of the blue and was like, Hey, like I heard you're done playing. I uh, just wanted to see what you were thinking about doing. And I was like, Hey, I, you know, I'm kind of interested in coaching. I think that's something I want to do. And he's like, well, like, how about this? Like, come be our catching coach, come recruit. Like you'll handle all of our out-of-state recruiting stuff. And then um, we'll put you on the road. Like we'll do that for you. And I was like, that sounds great. Like what's the starting salary going to be like 50, $60,000 or something. And he was like, I got a thousand dollar stipend. And I was like, all right, sick. Like, We'll figure it out. So I am I on really, the way. <laughs> yeah, I, I really didn't know where Santa Barbara was, to be honest with you. Um, and so I showed up, and it's a sweet beach town, and it was great. And um, was really fortunate to be a part of two really good teams there. And then, um, you know, got to recruit and be a part of the recruiting process for a couple of guys that are in the big leagues now. And so that was pretty crazy that, you know, my first job as an NAI assistant is, you know, going to a couple regionals, going to a couple – having a – I think it was like six guys drafted in the two years I was there. And then, you know, being able to watch a couple of those guys that were freshmen or then were transfers end up in the big leagues has been pretty awesome experience. And then uh, that summer got an opportunity or summer of 15, got an opportunity to go to UC San Diego. Uh, and I was, I was going to say between, between those two jobs, we got together in mm -hmm. Fresno, California with some of yeah. those, those original guys who, who you had, um, you know, you had met the year before in the area, mm -hmm. working those events at, at Westmont and, um, you know, really, you know, I would say that for me opened my eyes to how important, you know, not just, you know, those players getting drafted are, or making it to the, the big leagues, but like we made an impact with them and from there right like anything that goes forward it's been about hey like i had a really strong relationship with these guys and jeff shows that to the players right you're not afraid to to be jeff calhoun right so it's easy to go out there and be like hey this is authentic this is real like get down in your stance and like let's get to work and you get i'm sure you still get right down there with them so in that that summer group of guys, you know, let's let's dig into you know some of the the names, and I know there's an event many of us are going to be attending here real soon. Um, so, you know, let's uh, you know let's let's go go right there, and then uh, out to hanging with Big E and some other guys at UC San Diego from there. Yeah, um, I got uh, really fortunate again. I got hooked up my first camp. I worked, um, like was in Fresno in the summer or in the fall of 14 and or fall of 13 actually. And then Rob, uh, coach Ruiz at the time, like he reached out like, Hey, there's a camp. It's going to pay a couple hundred bucks. I was like, I didn't realize you got paid to go to camp. So that's pretty cool. Um, 
Not so bad when you have that thousand dollar stipend. As yeah, your, I was like, uh, dude, I just salary. made half my stipend in a weekend. This is crazy. So, um, I ended up going to a camp and like met a bunch of Midwest coaches at the time. And obviously that, that group has been really impactful for me because I think for me, I had to like stand my ground and show that I was able to take some heat and send it back. And then, um, I mean, those guys obviously have been great to me and they're, they're mentors to me. I talked to, you know, one of them's Andrew Bartman. I talked to him probably two or three times a week still. I mean, he's the head of, uh, coaching development for USA baseball. Now he was the head coach at a small, at a NAI college in Kansas at Bethany college in Lindsborg. You, you remember, uh, Mr. Mr. Uh, Tattoos, who was, uh, perfect for Bethany, I believe is the, the school that it was, right? <laughs> Yeah, I do. Hey, that right there is my kind of guy. The guy <laughs> took balls about four forty with the uh, with a beezer. <laughs> yep, that was uh, that was old Barty. So Bart, and then uh, obviously like Jeremy Sheetinger, um, who was at the time he was at. That was when he was at Spalding, and then had went into the ABCA role. Now he's back at Gwinnett, and obviously doing great things. And then. Yeah, he uh, still gives the greatest recruiting talk to to moms and dads that I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, he does a great job with that. Then uh, the other guy that's been really impactful from that was uh, Rob Bournier, um, who's now at Western Kentucky. Um, he and I have gotten to spend a lot of time on the road recruiting together, even when he was at Wabash Valley. And so for us, like, you know, we got to do some USA stuff together last year or two years ago now, like when we were both at our previous jobs. And I think that's where for me, like Rob, Rob's one of the most humble people you're going to be on the planet on how good he is. Uh, obviously when you're a thousand game winner and you're under 50 years old, it's like, shoot, man, this guy's pretty good at what he does. So it's, it speaks for itself, of course, right. The, the mm -hmm. victories do, but man, let me tell you, I get to spring training in 2020 and I'm digging in with my angels guys. And I can't tell you, how many of these dudes are like, wow, I was at Wabash, right? Or like, hey, mm -hmm. I came across Coach Fortnier and he helped me out in some way, shape, or form. And like the the amount of stick that he has with so many people that he's met, right? Um, mm -hmm. you know, we're going to the ABCA soon. And I always, you know, hope that we hope that we see everybody, but he's a guy I always have right on the top of the list that if I, if I bump into him, I, I want to stop him and, and talk to him for a long time. Yeah. And then the last guy lucky, got, like, lucky guy. Right. And then the last guy I got to pump up, like he's going through stuff still uh, with some health stuff was, was Kevin Vest. He was a head JC guy at Rock Valley down in Illinois. And then he was the AD over the last few years. He's still the AD at Tyler junior college in Texas. That's uh, right. That's yeah, right. Best, they always, always wax, uh, yeah. always wax our local guys. Shout out to <laughs> NCCC for always being runners yeah. up to Tyler. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Coach, I mean, Vesto, um, like again, like just gave me a lot of oversight, uh, just a lot of great insight on like being a head coach and just understanding how to operate with that way. And also be, how do you balance like being an administrator almost? So, you know, getting the opportunity the last couple of years being a head coach, it was like, okay, I know how to be an administrator. I know how to be a head coach. I know how to operate a program as opposed to just coach it. And I think a lot of that went back to Vesto. And again, that whole group, I mean, I was really fortunate that I'm, I'm 23 years old at the time and I'm meeting these guys and they're letting me hang out with them and be a part of it, even though, you know, I got, I'm a, I'm a volunteer assistant making a thousand dollars. So it's like, I think that's where, that's where for me, it was like real blue collar and just being around people that 
it wasn't about your title. And that's something that's always stuck with me is like, just doesn't matter where you work. It depends on how you go about your business. And that was something that's always, they've always been really good to me on that end and remind me of that all the time. So I just, I think that's a life lesson that I took away from those guys. Cause I know how hard it is. And we got a couple of young guys on our staff and it's like, shoot, man, I know how hard this is. Like, I get it, man. Like you're just starting now you're in year two of trying to coach. It's like, let's, let's try to figure out ways to one, make you money and two, just, you know, have some perspective here and, you know, make you feel included in this as opposed to feeling outcasted because you're the player development or you're a volunteer or something. It's like, let's try to keep them as a part of it as we can. Yeah. That, that title part with them was, was important because I felt like, you know, where so many, you know, guys go through the recruiting process from the other side, right. As the, as the players in high school, and it's, oh, I'm division one or bust. And I am, I am out of here, right? Like mm-hmm. the, the, the Georgia Gwinnett program, like, or the, you know, the Westmont program, that's an NAIA school that has six guys drafted in two years, you know, like that shows you just like, it's not about the title and especially in this game, right? Like the game knows how you treat each other. Right. And like those guys, to me as well. Right. I don't have, I don't have the relationship you have with them by any means, but on the first day, you know, into the circle, come on out, you know, let's talk, let's get our business cards. Like it was, it was, Hey, like welcome and Mm -hmm. not ever, Hey, this new guy, we don't know about him. Right. And even though (laughs) you don't know about the new guy, right. It is, you know, it is so good to show up somewhere and just automatically feel like, hey, we it doesn't matter where we are. We're all here for the right reasons. And I feel mm-hmm. like guys of that level sniff that out in guys who are not in the game for the right reasons. And real quickly, it's, hey, you're not in the game at all if you're not in it for the right reasons. Yeah. No, I think, again, like you're hitting on the head, man, just like how you how you get to where you get is basically just how you treat people. And I think that's the biggest thing is like you said about the players too, man. It's like, you know, I've always said it to people. And as a head coach, it's like, I, I, if I don't have players to coach, I don't get a job. So I think that's where it's like at the end of the day, like it is about them and it's about their experience, it's about their development. It's about their investment. And, you know, I think kind of jumping ahead a little bit, like going through the head coaching opportunity last couple of years at Biola between summer of 19 to, basically this last summer in 22, like that was a piece of advice I got from somebody that was really good. That was like, Hey, like you can't, excuse me, you can't be someone you're not. And you can't be, you know, I can't be the coaches I've been working for as an assistant. I can't be coaches that are mentors to me as a head coach. Like I have to figure out what my identity is going to be as a head coach. And it was like, Hey, you know what? Like I love recruiting. I love developing. I love coaching. And I, you know, I'm high energy. I love being around my guys. So like, that's just what I'm going to be. I can't fake this. Like, Hey, I'm going to be super like collected in the back of the dugout and like not talk to people and not interact with the players and just let our assistants do all the recruiting as a head coach. Like I'm going to, I'm going to invite you over for Thanksgiving if you're in town, you know, that's, that's the kind of, yeah. guy that, that's the yeah. kind of guy we got on the line. So that's, that's, that's yeah. huge. And that's, um, you know, as far as getting all the way up to there, right through UCSD and going to Point Loma, right? Like just meeting those guys. Um, you know, here we are at, at Campbell, 
and um, we have got some dudes of dudes. So here in this last minute or so, just uh, just wrap me up with, um, you know, what what do we have to look forward to from you guys? And, um, you know, that high standard of, um, you know, excellence that we expect out of a program like that. Yeah, I mean, I think for me, um, you know, obviously everybody really excited about Cade Keeler. I think for us that the guys are talented. It's a lot of athleticism. I think we're really fast for what we've been in the past. I think that's going to be an exciting part of our game to watch. Obviously for us, you know, having two guys at the corners at first and third that hit 19 home runs last year back uh, definitely helps. Hungry for 20, both of them. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think for us, um, you know, it's a group with an edge. I mean, I think the cool thing last two years is they've, you know, here at Campbell, we've had an opportunity to play at Tennessee in the regional and go against the number one team in the country. And the year before we were at Mississippi state who won the national championship. So I think as a group at Campbell, like it's not about who's what the name on the chest across the field is. It's, you know, we just want to go out and get into a fist fight and try to go see who's going to walk out of here. So I think that's where, you know, we play a really tough schedule this year. It's going to be a lot of fun. We're on the road a ton. So that'll be, I think a good challenge for our guys this year, as opposed to just sitting back and playing easy teams at home. Like we're going to go out and try to play the best. And that right there says so much about the identity of the program. You guys aren't going to sit there and shell out big money to play little schools from the Northeast who you can come down and wax and send back home with their tail between their legs. You want to go out and you want to play the best of the best, not play the best of the best, but beat on the best of the best. You guys want to prove that you can be there with everybody else. And I think that is what separates you guys when they oh they're not in the ACC or they're not in the SEC. Campbell University Baseball is for real, and they're here. The players that you get on campus are a big part of that. So talking about the uh, the players who you guys have on campus right now and in your role as a, uh, you know, a guy who's recruiting heavily for the school, you know, we've been talking a lot about, hey, the relationships you build, what goes into, you know, what we're looking for, whether it was a player um, in your first year at Westmont or, you know, this year at Campbell, are we you know, talent wise might be a little bit different between the two, but there are obviously good players everywhere. And it seems like, you know, guys who have really figured it out, we'll call on the recruiting trail, right? You get the right kind of, of people in the program. What are you, what are we looking for? And if, you know, we have younger guys listening right now um, who are going through the recruiting process or might not know much about the recruiting process, an easy way to stand out outside of bottom line. You have to be good enough to play. Yeah. I I think going back, there's not a ton of difference in the personality from like what we were recruiting at Westmont to UC San Diego to Biola to here. Um, I mean, I think for us, like, again, it's people that want to be coached, want to be developed, are not afraid of competition. And I think that's where, like, I think Coach Hare here says it really well all the time is, like, you know, on a lot of our visits and all the time we talk with recruits is, you know, this isn't for everybody. And that's okay because if it's if it's not – if it's for everybody, it's not going to be very good. You know what I mean? Like, if anybody can come, it's not going to get better. Where it's like, hey, this is kind of an exclusive group that, like, we have. Like, if you're a part of it, 
like you're going to get challenged, you're going to get pushed, it's competitive, it's tough, and you're going to like be held to an extremely high standard where if it's not, you know, if that's not what you're about, then you're not going to like it. And I think like, you know, again, similar to what I worked at Westmont and Biola, like kind of applies here to Bowie's Creek is, I mean, for us, like, you know, all three of these schools are like private Christian colleges. So like for us, like it isn't a, if you're looking for frat row on a Friday night or on Saturday night, like this ain't it. And that's okay. Like, and that's okay with us. Like for us, you know, we, we have guys that are here at 1030 at night hitting in the cages on weekends. Like that's just what they do. And so I think that's where you have to understand that it is an individual game in regards to your individual development to help us get where we want to go as a team. And so I think that's where our guys do a really good job of, you know, it's finals week and they're in the cages getting extra work and still like they got, they have a plan when they go home, they know what they're supposed to do. And there really isn't a ton of doubt in our mind as a staff here that they're actually going to work and they're actually going to do it where I think that's, again, like it's really easy to get caught up in like, Oh, I'm a division one player now. And just kind of check out where for us, it's like, Hey man, like this isn't the final destination of what you want to do. And that's something that as a recruiting guy for a long time, that's always been a conversation is like every conversation with a recruit has always been like, Hey man, you got to check one of these two boxes. And it's like, do you want to win a national championship in college baseball? Like whatever your level is, NAI, D2, D3, D1. And if the answer is yes, then it's like, okay, he checks a box because he wants to win. Like, and, he, and that means he's going to work. That means he's going to put in the effort, hopefully. And then the second part is like, hey, man, like, do you actually want to play professional baseball? And it's like, and, you know, there's some guys that were very rare for us over the years, everywhere I've worked, that's like, ah, you know what, it's not for me. I want to be a doctor, but I'm going to play in college for four years, and I want to win a national championship. It's like, that's fine. Like, but I think for the most part, for we, guys we've like, got, we've got room for those guys, those guys. Here, for right? sure. Yep. For sure. But if you're not trying to be a doctor or an engineer or like a, like any of those medical side or science side of the, of the world, like, Hey man, like that's the objective then. Like we want you to be a professional baseball player if you want to be that. And so that I think again, goes into how they do their extra work and what they put into it and how they take it like from a literal standpoint and like, the decisions they make outside of our program and outside of our facility. Cause the nice thing is again, and I think that's where like we, we talk a lot about like college football facilities, right. And how like palace S those places are. And it makes complete sense though, because they're trying to keep their guys in the facility as much as possible. That's like, right. You, you want to know want where they are. to be at the field or right. in the locker room at those places. And, um, you know, not to, not to cut you off there, but I just wanted no, to good. touch on, um, the individual right portion of being a player at at any level, but especially at this level is that, you know, we have a plan for you to get better as a staff and like, you're going to know it. You're going to live it. You're going to understand it. There's not, I, I can't get this. Like we're finding ways and to go beyond what we're asked to do as an individual player and understanding that you might be the 13th position player this year and put a really important bunt down third base because you noticed that the guy at third took two steps back when you came up and it's a decision maybe you totally make on your own. 
to, to, Hey, I, I, I got the green light to do it. If I want, if I want to do it and I'm doing it in this spot, it's a big spot. Like you earn the right to make those decisions and have success in those situations because you don't need to be checked on because you have 10 coaches because you have two coaches because you have, you don't need anybody because we know that you, even if you don't want to play at the next level, you are here to get better. And that's a, that's a mutually exclusive thing, right? I remember Mike Gambino um, was on, I think it was Eric Cressy podcast a couple years back. And it really stood out to me when he made a change at Boston college, they stopped going out and trying to get recruits from their competitor ACC and the SEC schools, right? Instead, he asked himself, hey, why does Sal Freelich want to come to Boston College, right? Sal wants to be a golden eagle. He wants to play center field here. He wants to get drafted and go play professional baseball. Well, we can provide him with the resources and the opportunities to do that at Boston College. And that's how we build good programs by not stealing another school's recruit. Hey, we got a better guy than we should have got. But like this belongs for you, for us, and for our goals in the future, in the program, out of the program. It's about those players moving on to the next level. We want to hang your jersey in the rafters and not have you wear it for four years and throw it on the ground. Yeah, I think we, I think like you're talking about with the development side of things, like for us, you know, even on their visit, like when we recruit guys, it's like we have a pretty good idea based on, you know, what their skill set is or what we project them being of like, okay, here's where your development plan is going to go. Here's kind of where we're looking. And that's not just, you know, a Campbell thing, but that was something we did at Biola. That was something, you know, working for Coach James at, at Point Loma and at UC San Diego. Same thing there of like from a pitching side and been really fortunate to work with some really great pitching coaches everywhere I've gotten to be. And obviously that's kind of a, a consistent factor in really successful teams is really good pitching. So I think that's where for us, like I've been really fortunate to be around. We, we don't, know. we don't exist without uh, somebody who can receive borderline pitches <laughs> for strikes. So remember to thank your catchers in your lives out there, boys. They're the best <laughs> love thrown to this boy right here. <laughs> oh man we had some good games that's for sure oh my gosh um, i still talk games. i talk i talk about uh i talk about our uh our umpire repeat from west virginia and the university of pittsburgh and how he said it was such a pleasure to work with us as a pair of, uh, i bring that guy up all the time he made my life for it. <laughs> i forgot hey, about suck, that i forgot suck, that it was the same umpire you suck but i love that that you guys beat these two schools and uh i'm, I'm gonna call change-ups that might have touched the dirt um because <laughs> We're we're finishing them in the zone, and you're pretty you're pretty cool. I like you guys. Great umpire. <laughs> oh man, but no, I forgot about that. But no, it's a yeah. I get it. I've just been really fortunate to be around really good coaches, and I think that's where again, like the development plan is really important. It's it's individualized. It's not a cookie cutter deal of like, hey, like everybody's the same. But I think the challenge to every program, and I think like how you said it with Boston College is like, you want people that want to be there. And you also need to understand that you're always trying to raise the floor. And so that's where, like, for me, you know, being a head coach, getting to Biola, like the floor, like, and I think I've been really fortunate. Again, they, the guy that took over for me after I left there is a really good friend and a guy that I've always really considered as a really great coach. And, you know, we were talking about just, he's like, man, just compare it to like, he helped us out in 2021 
uh, during COVID and like he saw that group and he's like, man, like just the like the bottom of the program in 21 versus the bottom of the program I just took over a year and a half later is not even the same. And so it's like, that's the objective is like how, and I like, so we always say it here. And I think you can even like specialize it to your group that you coach, like in a position group of like, Hey, like we're only as good as our worst guy. So it's like, Hey, like whatever our floor is, like the floor always has to get raised. So it's like, for me as a catching coach, like, and in charge of those four guys is like, okay, who's our worst guy. Okay. How do we continue to get the bottom better? Cause again, like one through four, we have to be able to catch any situation because you're always a foul tip away. You're always, you know, a hit by pitch. You're always something crazy happening. And when we have the arms we have here where it's, you know, there's a lot of 95 with run here. So it's like, shoot, man, <laughs> like your thumb might disappear if you don't catch it. Right. So it's like, how do we make sure that if our third guy has to go in the game, our third guy's not going to be a huge liability and it's going to be able to perform at the level we need to go to Omaha. You're a, you're a new general right? It's Mm -hmm. not, it's, you know, and, and much love and no disrespect to any of the other positions on the field out there, but like you need someone who is in charge of everyone else on the field and replacing that person is not always the easiest, right? If someone had picked off George Washington, I don't, I can't say that we're, we're here today. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Yeah, I'm with you, but I think that's where like, again, I, I, I feel like, the line I always tell people and it's kind of been a staple for me is like from a football perspective, we're the center. Um, You know, I think catchers aren't the quarterback. I mean, the quarterback's the pitcher. He's got the ball. He gets to make the, he gets to decide what he wants to pitch. Like, Hey, I'm going to throw when I want to throw. I'm going to run what I want to run. And so the quarterback can make the change at the line. He can call audibles. He can call hot routes, but at the line of scrimmage, that center is the one running the entire offensive line. He's making the blocking calls. He's he's calling different situations out. And we can't go until he's ready to he gets set up. So that's basically how the catchers are. But you also don't know, like, and I'm a diehard Seahawks fan of you from Washington State. <laughs> I couldn't tell you who the center is for the Seahawks right now. I couldn't tell you who the center for the Bills is. And I'm like, those are my two teams. But when they make a holding call or they fumble a snap or they, they do something completely stupid, everybody knows who they are and so that's there it is there it is oh man it's the same as the catcher it's there's no glory there is no no. glory no we try to challenge them to keep see i mean for us the joke is like the more they have to chase the ball down the more their mask is off and so the objective is like how long can we go without having anybody know who's catching like so it's like how long like hey like keep your mask on that means we're not chasing wild pitches because i think again like we don't talk at pass ball or wild pitch. It's just a free 90. So it's like, that's where I think for us clarifying, like it's not the pitcher's fault. It's not your fault. It's just free. So it's like, if it's a free 90, like there's going to be 10 to 11 pass balls a year from a catcher potentially on a higher end, but there's also going to be maybe 50 to 60 wild pitches. And it's really easy to point the finger as opposed to like, Hey, what am I doing to control this pitcher to keep him in the zone in an, in an area that I could try to catch the ball. Yeah, so help, that's something. help him cut Correct. down free 90s, right? And that's, you know, we, we touched on it early on, right? You played some really good schools last year. You're, you're at Tennessee on the road. Like, it's not like if I told one of our 12-year-olds who is a really good player right now, right, that tomorrow they were going to play the, the New York Yankees, right? Those guys show up and they are, they are not excited to go play baseball and get their butts kicked mm-hmm. by the Yankees, right? But if you said, hey, like we're playing another 12-year-old team 
and the Yankees show up, right, in not Yankee uniforms, right? Those guys, yeah, obviously are still going to still gonna get beat. But the way that we go into those games matter. And I always try to say, like, we play against the baseball. We take mm-hmm. good care of the baseball, right? And it is, it is back to not being able to point the finger, as he said, right? Like, that can be your shortstop's fault five times this game. But if we look at it over a season, right, like, he gets to so many more balls than anyone else gets to. They're like, those throwing errors have to happen. Because he, other guys don't even feel that, right? Like mm-hmm. things can always be turned however you want them in our game. And I think there can be, oh, so much sizzle here and not enough steak a lot of the time. And the catchers are the, are the steak. Like you literally are just that piece of, that piece of meat, right? That like, hey, stop this ball. Hey, it fouled it straight off your bare, your bare elbow, right? You, hey, you're fine. Get back out there. Right. Like we, like mm-hmm. they, they are the guys. And I think, you know, you have, you know, you've done the hot stove at ABCA and stuff like that. You've met some, some really good catching guys. Um, The state of catching in the game has like evolved so, so much so recently, right. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, Tanner Swanson and all the guys who are kind of, kind of in there at the big league level. Now um, you know, your guys there, do we talk about, how we move? Are we talking about setting things up, or is everything is just at your service for 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 pitchers? Like if we're given a high school catcher right now, like something you really want to work on to be at this level, it's it's got to be hey, love those dudes on the mound and figure out how to help them get better. Yeah, I mean, I think again, like you got to be able to catch. So it's like I think obviously receiving is a huge part of that, but also understanding who you're catching. So I think that's where. You know, and I've been really, again, like you said, fortunate to be around some really great catching guys in our network of people. And surprisingly, the Northwest has a, a really good group of guys <laughs> that have been in the big leagues. And so it's like with it, with Tanner and Craig and, you know, obviously Kai's doing his thing at, at the big league level. But I think for us, like understanding, you know, what what Tanner and what Craig are able to do at the big league level with misses and what their catchers could do with those misses of like six to 10 inches is different than for us. We're like the average college guys, like an 18 inch miss. So it's like an 18 inch miss. And, you know, you got some guys that are maybe going to be more than that because that's the average. So it's like understanding, Hey, like you can't be too fine with this guy. And so I think that's where, again, it's individualized coaching of like, understand your guy, understand what you can do, understand, you know, Hey, I'm not going to be able to maybe work the corner as much or work as much of the shadow zone. Like I need to be really good at understanding like, Hey, I don't know where this is going, but I'm going to catch it. And if it's in the zone, I'm going to react properly to my training of it's in the zone. I do this when this happens. And so I think that's where, you know, it, it's just a different game, man. I think catch is kind of unique. It's, it's a little bit cyclical. I think it's, you know, in the eighties, I mean, guys were catching on a knee a lot and like Benito Santiago and, you know, Dan well, when, you, and those when, guys. when you got, you got a Benito rifle like that, right. Yeah. He could have sat yeah. on his ass and thrown the ball to second base before Ricky <laughs> Henderson got there. That dude was crazy. I, know. So, he was I mean, kid, that but... is, but, but you, you are, you know, you're right. And like the, the guys who like, this is an all love place here and mm-hmm. in, in whatever we're going to say this, there's no harm in anybody trying to help kids actually get better at the game. Okay. Like there's no harm in that, but like the amount of hate that some, some catching styles or um, ways of things like there's just so much 
And it's like, you, you have such a small sample size of what you know about the game that you don't even watch the old school guys who actually did it. So instead mm-hmm. of proving your point out there, remember that everybody is trying to get better at this and that these dudes are out here on sometimes very little bit of salary, sometimes spending their own money to live in these places. Mm-hmm. They're there trying to help these guys get to the big leagues and be like a Benito in 1984, right? Just like we're trying to be, you know, anybody this day and age, right? Like everybody's trying to find a competitive advantage to borderline pitches need to be received for strikes. We need to make them strikes and you need to, you know, offensively, you need to show up and you need to mesh. And if we've got four catchers in the mix somewhere, right? You want to raise that floor to the point where we mash, we receive strikes and when we got a block and throw, like we friggin' handle our own too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think again, like it's, and everybody's got different, I think, value system. And I think that's where, like, again, like there, there isn't a wrong way to do things and there isn't a right way to do things completely. I think it's, again, just understanding that it can't be cookie cutter. It can't be everybody's the same. I mean, for us, like I used to say it all the time when I was at UC San Diego with the guinea pig group of catchers I had there where it was like, hey, we had six foot four, 240 pounds. We had five foot eight, 175 pounds. And then we had a couple like six foot two, 200 pounders in between. And so it's like, hey, man, like the five foot eight kid could really get into a great squat position, could really receive well. I mean, the guy was a two-time all-region guy and defensively was one of the better guys I've had in my career. And he could do a lot of different things. And he's got to catch Troy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Troy Cruz, Cruz, yeah. Up, <laughs> yeah, gotta catch Troy. And I mean, he caught a couple of pro guys at at uh, Point Loma and UCSD. He ended up grad transferring with me over there when I left. Wow, so okay. he, uh, you guys must have had a good relationship or something, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Michael Palos, man, like Michael Palos, he was one of my favorites, man. Like, uh, but then, like, you have the six foot four, 240 pound guy, like, he wasn't as good in the in the, in the traditional stance. So for us, it was trying to figure out, okay, like, how does he catch the knee down? How does he allow his big body to be able to maneuver around his knees? And so yeah. it's understanding just like, hey, like, I was more of a traditional stance guy, but I wanted our catchers. I was like, he, this doesn't work for him. And so it's like, okay, what does each guy work with better? And so it's for me, like, even now, like, you know, we, I'm, I've always been kind of more of a traditional, like, stance guy. And then coming here, like, we have some really great athletes behind the plate and you know, a really another really good catching guy and Coach Holcomb that's here. That's was at NC State. He's coached a Buster Posey Award winner, and so for me, like picking his brain and trying to figure out, hey, like, what does Grant Niff need versus Jackson Rotecki or Jackson Thompson versus Andrews uh, Schulte? So it's like out of those four guys, how am I coaching each of these guys individually so that it's not just a one size fits all? Because again, we're back in the same boat of, hey, we got Grant Nip who's six three, two hundred fifteen pounds, is built like a horse. And I got, you know, Jackson Rotecki who's coming off an injury. He's a freshman. He hasn't played in a year. He's a little heavy right now. He's cleaned up his body this fall. He looks a lot better. He's in different stances. And then you got Andy Schulte, who's five foot eight, five foot nine, can really receive. Like, what what does each of these guys need with their stance? What do they feel most comfortable with? Because again, like I might think it's the right way, but if they're not comfortable doing it, it don't matter. So it's like it's almost like recruiting kids that you want to overhaul their stance when they get to your campus. It's like, well, why did we recruit this guy? Yeah. What is he, he did something well where we, we brought him in. And I mean, I, you know, being around the program, pro game, the little bit that I have, right. Like I saw a a six, two 
probably 185 pound catcher in professional baseball next to the Jesse Harris looking six, three mm-hmm. two, 255 pounders who look like yeah. they, they ate your bulldog for breakfast, right? Like that guy. And that guy is doing the same work. He's receiving the same mm-hmm. pitches. He's, you know what? He belongs there. His swing looks just like another professional person's swing. Like you're not too small to play this game. And mm-hmm. it, catching for me, man, has always been like, if you like, you're, crazy for wanting to do it right you just we, we are sure. set, right like no no glory so like if you're willing to do it then you're willing to do it hard and understand that like you're going to be hard on yourself accountable and like when you're chasing balls to the backstop you know that everybody sees you and right you don't want to be the guy with your mask off and that's yep. uh i love that so well, yeah. thank you, Jeff. Thank you so much for jumping on with us here today. Um, we appreciate, you know, your time, um, your knowledge, everything about, uh, you know, the path that you've gone through is really, it speaks to the, the younger guys in the game and anybody who I'd say getting into coaching really has to tune into something like this because it gives you some perspective on what you're going to have to go through in order, in order to get here. And let's, let's pass those five coaches, right? Let's, let's pay five coaches out there this, uh, this year. All right. (laughs) Yeah, no, I, well, I always joke, man. Like I I talked to a a first year assistant yesterday. Uh, He's a great dude, man. Like he's a, again, he's doing a good job. And he, he was like, you got any advice for me getting into this? And I was like, yeah, don't do it. Like, (laughs) yeah, it was the first thing I I ever heard about baseball. (laughs) It's like, man, you, I was like, you have an accounting degree, man. Like go make some money. Like, I don't like, and I think that's where, again, like, the biggest like if the coaching development thing I always talk about is like you can't if you're getting in it for money you're getting in the wrong thing and it's like in, and I think that's where for us like obviously there's some jobs out there and you see it on Twitter it's like oh like coach Johnson at LSU is getting like 1.2 million dollars or something it's like yeah you understand the stress that that guy has compared to being the thousand dollar guy at Westmont like my job as a thousand dollar assistant is way more relaxed than that guy's at 1.2 million but understanding that those jobs, those guys had to work to get there, and it doesn't just happen overnight. And I think that's the hard part in this game, and I hope it does change at some point because I think, you know, I'm not – my story's not any different than a lot of guys in this of, like, sleeping in my car, doing different things, working different jobs, like trying to make it work. But I think that's where I really hope to keep quality coaches in this business and in this industry. We can find a way at the collegiate level to get people paid at an adequate salary in order to not have to do a side hustle in order not to have to drive Uber or do DoorDash during COVID. I mean, that, that's something I was doing as a head coach. So it's like, shoot, man. I mean, I think that's where, you know, it's, if you're getting in it to improve the game and get back to kids, you're a hundred percent in the right place. And I think, you know, I think the game, we kind of started here, right? The game knows. I've always said the game knows, right? The lights off, the hard work, the, um, you know, Joe Burrow saying, don't go post it on Instagram and then sit on your butt for four days and do nothing. Let everyone think that you're working, but like that, like that custodial job in Southern California overnight, (laughs) right. In order to say like, Hey man, like 
I'm a college baseball coach, right? It starts off with the pride and you put the, you put that effort into the work that you do with the kids, right? You give it back to them every day and you're like, Hey, you know, no, your stress might not be coach Johnson's stress at LSU, but that doesn't mean that you falter in effort. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean that you falter and how much you care. It doesn't mean that you go in there and those kids deserve a thousand dollar effort over a million dollar effort because they're there showing up with us, right? Like to, to, to give back to this game, right? Like we're there for those people who want to keep playing, who seriously, like, Mm -hmm. oh, I'd I'd play professional baseball. Look at what Aaron Judge gets paid. Yeah. Like everyone, everyone says that, right? Like you love the game. You want to keep playing. You work like you want to keep playing this game. Those guys deserve everything from us on our side and it's like back to being a catcher and we'll finish it up here man like there's no glory on this side right our private guys in the in the in the sector all the all the time out here right like i love the information we share i love that the the social media stuff gets out there to everybody and that we can spread good word but it's like it's not about you right like it's about that kid going to play at the next level and it's that a 10u to 11u you know kid who wants to keep playing baseball, that's what turns into a, you know, a junior at Campbell who's going in the first round because he's coming off of some of the best, you know, some of the best stuff that he's ever had. So, um, Jeff, yeah. thank you again, my man. And uh, we will, uh, we will talk to you again real soon. All my best to the Calhoun family and uh, safe travels home. All right. Thank you for listening to holding down the fort. This is Jimbo Fort reminding you to hold it down. Be on the lookout for our new merch. Anybody who has any questions for the show or for our guests on the show, please email us at holdendownthefortpod at gmail.com. Follow us on TikTok, Instagram, and subscribe on YouTube for all the latest updates and to hold it with us. Thank you again. We look forward to having you back for the next episode.